Hi, and welcome to the Skift Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Madhuni Krishnan, the editor of Skift Airline Weekly. And I'm joined here today by our man in London, Patrick White, Skift's Europe editor. Patrick, thanks for joining us. Hey, Madhuni, thanks for having me on again. I want to talk about something that uh, has been kind of obsessing the airline industry for the last week or so, and was the subject of uh, Airline Weekly's feature story this week, and that's IAG's International Airline Group's purchase or planned purchase of Air Europa, a Spanish carrier. Now, Airline Weekly covers these things, obviously, given our name and our subject matter, um, from the airline point of view, and we really focused in on why IAG would be interested in Air Europa. But the stories, you know, these, these, these stories don't exist in a travel vacuum, and it's easy for us sometimes to forget that the airline industry is part of a larger travel ecosystem. And Air Europa in particular is interesting because it is owned by a um, tour operator, Globalia, correct, Patty? Yeah, yeah. It's um, one of a number of, uh, I suppose they're, they're becoming rarer these days, kind of integrated, vertically integrated travel companies where you have an airline, a tour operator, and in some cases, actual travel agencies as well. And um, can you tell us a little bit more about Globalia? Like, what, what do we know about them? So it's, again, it's another kind of rare example, though this is more common in, in Spain, perhaps. It's a family-owned business, so Hidalgo family. Hmm. Um, the dad, the sons, daughters, uncle, all own bits of the company, and it's kind of a family business. The CEO is is a son Javier Hidalgo, and um, he's the one who, um, according to the a lot of reports in Spain, has been driving this this sale. What else do they operate or own besides Air Europa? So they have a maintenance and ground handling business, which I think is going to have some links with IAG if the purchase goes through. They have a um, tour operator, and they have some retail travel agencies as well. Um, so they're kind of a full service travel travel company. Okay, and mainly operating in Spain or throughout Europe? Yeah, mostly in Spain, yeah. Okay, and why would this family-owned company be interested in selling Air Europa? I think it probably comes down to timing. I mean, the business has been going for a long time, but these kind of offers don't come along. They're often a million, a billion euros, sorry, is, is a lot of money. And um, the, reading some of the reports in Spain and some of the Spanish journalists, they can indicate that there was almost a bidding war with reports of interest from Air France, KLM as well, um, wow. you know, potentially other airlines as well. So I guess they thought they could get a good price for it and um, it means they can concentrate on other businesses. I think they're, they're interested interested in taking on some of the um, train and rail um, operations as well, bidding on some of the um, franchises there, so going into rail, um, and they may use the money for that, I guess. Oh, really? So Globalia is interested in branching out into rail? Yeah, I think it's a diversified company. They also own hotels, which is another part of their travel business. So they're not just, you know, it's, it's not, although the airline, I think, made up 52% of, of revenues, I think. So it's a massive part of the business and how they cope with that after the sale is going to be interesting. But I think they're looking to refocus it and do other things. And maybe the price, the offer from IAG was just too tempting and it seemed the right time to cash out. All right. Well, so you've covered this and um, this sort of integrated model for, um, Elsewhere in Europe, is is this something? Do you think? And you mentioned earlier that this is getting getting to be a rarity. Do you think the future for these sorts of companies is not as bright as perhaps was thought when they started acquiring airlines? I guess it depends on on the company. You know, people a company like Tui, which is um, the kind of number one in Europe at the moment, uh, that has an airline, it has hotels, it owns everything, and that's managed to make it work. But a company like Thomas Cook couldn't make it work. 
And a few years ago, there was a company in the UK called Monarch, which had an airline mostly, but it also had tour operations as well. Um, right. But you see it the other way as well. Like EasyJet Holidays is is becoming a bigger part of the EasyJet um, the EasyJet business now, and, and even British Airways has its own holiday product, which it's different to how Thomas Cook and Tui do it, but still that product sells very well. So this kind of model um, can work and does work in a lot of European uh, countries, but it just depends, as always, on, on the business and how that business is run. Okay, well, you mentioned Thomas Cook. I want to get back to them in a second, but I'm not done with uh, Air Europa Globalia quite yet. You've covered these companies for a while. I mean, what do you think is in it for IAG and buying what, you know, as we said in Airline Weekly, by some measures, it's fifth Spanish carrier? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible thinking how much of the market or how many carriers they'll have in the market. But from looking at the investor um, deck, it looks like it's uh, they make a big point of the Latin American um, connection and that's obviously a, a big market for them. Although you kind of think with Iberia, uh, they would have have that, that pretty well set up already. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens in terms of the competition, uh, um, kind of the regulators in Europe, whether they want to see uh, some routes given up or, or some parts um, kind of taken out of the deal. Um, it looks like, it sounds like it should be okay from, from what analysts and from what companies are saying, but you never know with Europe, it's, it can be pretty tough. Right. Yeah, that, that, there are regulatory concerns and you, you reckon that they'll have to divest some routes or do you think that the concerns are enough to derail the deal altogether? Well, I mean, uh, on the same day as IAG made the announcement, I think Ryanair had an, had an earnings call and they, uh, Michael O'Leary was quite vocal in having, you know, he said that it was a good deal for Consolidation Europe, but he was hoping or looking for some kind of, um, some, of the sl- some of the slots they have to be given up as part of the right. deal, and um, it, may, it may be the case that that happens, but maybe it, it doesn't sound like it's enough to um, derail the whole thing, and um, you think IG would have done the due diligence on this one to make sure they can get the deal through. Now, what do you think this means for Air France KLM? Because they also, as you mentioned, were interested in Air Europa. And, allegedly. Um, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> well, what do you think it means for them and their sort of, um, their Latin, sort of reach into Latin America? I don't know. I mean, I think uh, Air France KLM, they seem to be doing a lot of internal work at the moment and concentrating on how to how to remodel the business. Um, I would have been surprised maybe if this deal had gone through because it just seems that from what Ben Smith's saying that they're really focused on driving their efficiencies within Air France KLM and, and not kind of looking uh, outside, but you never know. It might have been something I want to do. But yeah, I think they're kind of working on, on sorting out the airlines that they have. They obviously got rid of a couple, got rid of some of the brands and really um, emphasize the importance of Transavia, Air France, and KLM as, as brands themselves. So I think they're, they're looking how they work internally first, and then maybe we'll look externally. But yeah, it's going to be a threat, and um, I kind of wonder how they'll see the, see the market from, from, from a European point of view. All right, let's let's branch off into Air France KLM for just a minute. Um, they had uh, this massive presentation last week. We covered it in Airline Weekly. You're on the ground in, in, in Britain. And keeping an eye on things in Europe, uh, what what are your thoughts on this uh, this massive sort of not restructuring but internal examination they've they've got they're doing now? It's funny because it's been talked about for so long the need to um, get everything aligned and the difference between the carriers. You know, you, you have I think when he took over Ben Smith was saying how it's not run like a normal a normal kind of carrier group. You have the Air France and KLM. There's, there's always been a suspicion, there's kind of mutual suspicion between the two different um, uh, groups and how they work. Whereas, you know, an IAG 
formed uh, through like, British Airways in Iberia, it seems a lot more cordial and, and cohesive, whereas Air France KLM has always seemed a little bit more uh, fractious. Right. <laughs> but, um, and also they've had the, the union uh, issues as well, and they maybe they didn't go about it in the right way at first and the previous CEOs, but Ben Smith seems to be making the right um, kind of the right noises and, and they seem to be more on board with what he's doing. So um, it seems like he's doing, he's doing a good job. And I kind of wonder how this is going to play out next, over the next year, two, three years and what it means for Europe, because there's always talk of consolidation. You have the three big groups um, and it's kind of what happens next. There's all these small carriers that still exist. And will Air France KLM play a part in, in any of that consolidation going forward once they've got their internal issues sorted out? Now, what are your sources saying about, uh, you know, Ben Smith started a, a while ago, he came from Air Canada, and he started shaking things up first, uh, you know, settling things with the, the labor, uh, the fractious labor relations, but uh, he is shaking things up. And that's what, what are you hearing from your sources about how that's being received by both Air France and KLM? Well, it seems to be, uh, he seems to be doing a more, a better job of, of kind of walking a tightrope between the different uh, kind of competing interests within the business and keeping everyone on board. Um, maybe some of the uh, some of his predecessors didn't do as good a job, but that's that's the big battle: making sure everyone at the company is on the same page so they can then compete with um, IG, which looks like it's getting stronger, and Lufthansa, which which does have its own problems. And then you have the uh, the kind of the the, the low cost carriers, EasyJet and Ryanair, and others as well. So yeah, I mean, it, it looks like he's doing a uh, a good job for the moment, but um, as we enter potentially different economic cycle in 2020, 2021, that's when it will um, we'll find out whether what he's been doing is is going to work. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know there was. Uh, I remember covering this when it first happened when he first took on the job. And uh, he ruffled quite a few feathers, both mm. in the management of Air France, well, particularly Air France. And there mm. were some people who said uh, there are a lot of European journalists I spoke to who said. Uh, who are sort of starting a Ben Smith ouster countdown clock. <laughs> talk seems to have settled for the moment. Yeah, I think he's doing a, from, uh, yeah, from an outsider's point of view, he seems to be doing all the right things. Um, I guess, yeah, as I've said, the kind of the big thing is making sure everyone within the Air France KLM team, the senior leadership of both airlines and the other airlines, well, they, uh, are kind of all on the same page with the same plan and bringing the, the employees along with it too. Great. All right. Now we have only a few minutes left and I wanted to turn to Thomas Cook. You and I spoke on this podcast a few weeks ago about, uh, about the demise of Thomas Cook and sort of how this, you know, the, as it was called, the book, booking clerk to empire could go belly up. Um, at that time, the UK was holding yet another inquiry into the, uh, uh, the government is holding another inquiry into the bankruptcy. Uh, can you sort of catch us up on where things are with that and the and Convert and um, Thomas Cook's Nordic operations? Well, as with so many of these kind of political things, there's a lot of um, anger uh, directed at the uh, the management team and a lot of questions about how they could let this happen. And um, a lot of fingers were pointed at Thomas Cook's management team, uh, the most recent one, and also the previous executives in the past. So it wasn't it wasn't very pretty. Um, I guess that the, the 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 kind of a lot of the um, the talk and the kind of conclusions were that um, they should and could have done a better job and they shouldn't have allowed this company to take on so much debt, which left it in a situation where it went to liquidation. But it's funny because the, the while the UK um, 
PLC is in um is no more the Thomas Cook Nordics, the kind of uh the tour operators there and the airline as well is has been bought and some uh, Condor is um is still flying in Germany. So obviously while there were while there were problems at a group level, individual bits of the business were still were still doing well and it's still it's still operating today. Ah, so the a lifeline for the Nordic operation and for Condor, but the travel agency and the UK airline are probably not coming back. Oh no, I should, I should say the travel agency has been bought. Um, oh. A UK UK based business bought um, bought Hayes Travel, um, and I think there was a deal for some of the travel agency businesses in, in Germany as well. So individually, there were bits that were were profitable, but as a whole, the company just couldn't carry on as it was. Too much debt at group level and too many bad decisions. Um, but in the Nordics, you know, the, the airline is very much integrated into the tour operator. So I think it's, it's mostly a charter operation, uh, oh. flying customers to, um, Southern Europe and elsewhere where they can get, uh, go on holiday. Um, and that's still, um, still, still pretty good. It does good business and it's still attracted a lot of, a lot of interest. So, um, again, I, it's not a surprise that's found a new owner. Great, and so the uh, so just so I'm clear, the uh, the the travel agency group was bought in the UK. Are they keeping the, the brand name, or are they going to ch- integrate it into their other operation? No, so it was bought by a company called Hayes Travel, which is a um, a travel agency business based in the northeast of England, and they've they've taken all the leases for I think it was 555 shops, wow. and they've I think they're going to keep they said they're going to keep them open, but I guess they may end up closing some if there's any duplication with where they already have existing branches, but yeah, they, they've taken them on um, and they paid a few million for them, I think, a um, few million pounds. So not a big investment, um, but it, I get, it also keeps uh, jobs, um, uh, people employed as well. So it was, it was kind of greeted uh, pretty well across the UK. Right. Now, are there any more inquiries planned or is this sort of it in terms of government uh, in, uh, investigations into the bankruptcy? Well, the problem is that in the UK we've uh, we're about to have an election, so they had to they had to rush through the end of it and to kind of uh, hastily draw together some conclusions, which probably weren't very satisfying because uh, Parliament is is dissolved and uh, we're about to have an election in December to try and solve uh, the Brexit crisis. So um, yeah, it was uh, it didn't really get much press in the end because there were people who are on to other things now and uh, who's going to be the next prime minister. Well, I can assure you after this, after the election next month, you and I will be talking again for this podcast <laughs> to, talk, to talk through what it might mean for the travel industry. But uh, let's yeah, leave. definitely. I'd love to be back. <laughs> yeah, let's leave it here today. And uh, Patty, I want to thank you for joining us on the uh, Airline Weekly Podcast. Thanks for having me.